guess we're going to go ahead and get started then. Six o'clock, so we might as well. Um, let's go over a couple of announcements, but I have to put my glasses on to see that. Um, men's breakfast, March 18th, 8.30 in the Fellowship Hall. And then they're having a Bible study, which I think is a separate thing, right? It's some, but th will this be the first one? This will be the second one. And that's March the 4th at 8.30, also in the Fellowship Hall. Heart to Heart, March the 21st at 6. I'm not sure what the food, what we're bringing this time, but I'm sure Robin will be texting everyone and letting us know. Prime Timers is March the 21st at noon. It's Potluck in the Fellowship Hall. And I think that's about it. So if y'all want to stand up, we're going to go ahead and start worship. And I struggled all through practice, but it's not going to matter because I don't really have to sing for God to move. Y'all just have to be open and receptive and expecting. And Father, that's what we are tonight. God, we're expecting a move of your spirit, God. A move of your anointing, Father. Just fall in this place, God. Just fall in our hearts, God. Like I said this morning, God, change the atmosphere in this place, God. Let us seek you more than anything else, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, guys.
shoes you have walked before us, God. And your word says where you walk, God, is holy, Father. Father, we just thank you tonight that this is a place of holy. That you abide here, God. Father, we thank you, God, that your atmosphere is changing around us, God. We thank you that your presence changes us, Father. In your presence, God, there's joy beyond all measure, Lord. Reach out and claim it for you are standing. 
We're just going to worship for a few minutes. We're just going to stay in this atmosphere. Father, there's a spirit of peace in here, God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just lay it at your feet tonight, God. We just lay it at your feet, Lord. Father, you are worthy of our praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are 
Give the Lord a praise. Thank you, Lord. 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 Glory to your name. May you be blessed. May you be magnified. May you receive the glory. Thank you for your presence. Bless your name. God is good. Amen. Great to be in God's house. Great to see you. You can be seated. I'd like to invite the ushers to come and, and would you please take your place. We're going to receive the Sunday evening tithe and offering. Let me say thank you for your obedience and giving to the Lord. Uh, thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, I, on Wednesday evening, uh, my son-in-law pastors Discovery Church, Yukon. If you've ever been in the Yukon area, uh, there's old Route 66. Okay, anybody know what Route 66 is? I'm looking for a nod or two. So, yeah, okay, Route 66. When you see that grain elevator, I mean, that old grain elevator that was there when I was a kid, my grandparents lived in Carnegie, Oklahoma, and we would go Route 66 all the way to, you know, out western Oklahoma when I was a kid, and I still remember that mill. It's still there. And when you get to that mill, you just pass the church. It, it is Discovery Church, Yukon, and, and they, in fact, I tell them when I come and, and preach in a church that I come representing them because it's a wonderful church. They let me preach every Wednesday night. I have the Wednesday night sanctuary class, and, and we have just a great time together. This past Wednesday, I told the group that I'm here at Lone Grove. After church, there was a lady that came up to me, and she gave me a check. Uh, I gave it to Brother Randy this morning, and she said, I just want to bless that church with this financial blessing, and she gave me a check Wednesday night for Lone Grove Assembly of God Church. And that's a blessing, amen? Uh, it's very much. And now they wanted to bless you, and now you want to bless the Lord. And so that's why we're obedient in our, in our giving. Um, Pastor Harley Davidson, or Deacon Harley Davidson, bless you, brother. <laughs> Harley Davidson Deacon, bless you, brother. Would you bless the offering, sir? Amen.
bless your heart. Thank you all. Thank you very much. Thank you for your ministry. God is good to this church with your worship team. Would you be a blessing to them, please? God bless you all. Thank you. Appreciate your ministry. If you would, let me get right into the Word tonight. Find your Bible, please, when you find your Bible. If you would, find with me 1 Samuel chapter 4. Find 1 Samuel chapter 4 in your Bible. Uh, if you'll notice with me the title of the message, we're talking tonight about spiritual victory. I believe every one of us want a spiritual victory in our lives and in this church. Thank you. Thank you for being here tonight. Um, Paul and I, we live in Mustang. Right after service, we're going to load up and head to Mustang. And uh, I'm going to pray for you a safe drive home. And please pray for us a safe drive home. I know it says that there's crazy weather out there, but uh, I agree with Randy and some of you others. I'm not going to let the weatherman dictate to me my life. Amen. And so thank you for your attendance. You could be anywhere, but you chose to be in God's house. Let's have a prayer for the word. Father, I pray you're anointed upon your word. May your word come alive to every one of our hearts. May the outcome be exactly your perfect will. Accomplish what you desire through your spoken word. We pray for these that have joined us by way of live stream, that Lord, your presence could be very real, very rich right there as well. So Father, we want to hear from you. We want to obey and we want to follow. We want to be your children and allow you to direct our lives. So have your perfect way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me make a couple of statements, and, and if you agree with me, it's okay to kind of encourage with an amen. Here's the statement. The Holy Spirit working in your life is essential to your spiritual survival. Amen. You cannot survive spiritually without the working of the Holy Spirit. If you will, the Holy Spirit working in this church, this is the next statement. The Holy Spirit working in this church is essential to this church's survival. Can you say amen? It's the Holy Spirit that makes this a church. It's not the building. It's not your attendance. It's not my attendance. What makes this a church is God's presence that is here, the Holy Spirit. That's what makes it a church. I'm going to take you down a path of teaching. And, and I love the Word, and, and I am a teacher of the Word. And man, I've got that PowerPoint synced in. Man, ain't that good? I got to brag on myself just a little bit. Man, I've been working on that and playing with it till I got it to the right aspect. Because every computer's a little bit different. Every screen is a little You got to get that aspect just right. And I think I'm pretty close, aren't I? Kind of brag on the old guy. Yeah, he does yeah, there you go. Now, follow with me, please. In Genesis 21 and 34, we find the very beginning of Abraham being promised a land. You know, I'm going to Israel in November, and we've got a couple of openings if there'd anybody like to go to Israel. And uh, it'll be my fourth time to go, and I love going to Israel. But Israel, there is Israel the land, and Israel the people. Israel the land was promised to Abraham. And let me tell you, that promise from God is still in effect. Notice with me in Genesis 21 and 34, Abraham journeyed to this specific land, and it was the land of the Philistines at that time. And God promised the land of the Philistines as part of the promise of God. The Philistines were a vile, they were an uh, unholy people, and God wanted Israel to displace them, to remove them and take their place. And Judges 13 and 1 tells us how Israel failed. The intention of God was is that the children of Israel would go into the promised land, 
they would conquer it, they would remove the inhabitants, and they would take the promised land. But Israel did not. And in Judges 13 and 1 tells us how Israel for centuries had the Philistines as their enemies. Notice with me, if you would, please, Judges 13 and 1. And again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them again into the hand of the Philistines. So notice how I've highlighted the Philistines. Uh, in 1 Samuel 4 and 2, there's a day that a battle turns bad. It's in that battle, 4,000 men of Israel are killed. You can follow along with me, either in your Bible or on the screen. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 2 a Philistine battle, 4,000 children of Israel killed. Then the men of Israel, in verse 3, they got presumptuous. Church, please listen to me. You don't want to be presumptuous with God. Amen. You want to know. You want to know what's right. You want to know what's wrong. But now they get presumptuous. And they said, let us bring the Ark of the Covenant, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. So from the tabernacle, they bring the Ark and the two sons of Eli the priest join them, Hophni and Phinehas. They go with the ark to the battlefield. When the ark was brought into the camp, Israel, look at verse 5, Israel shouted so loud that the earth shook. They were excited about the ark coming into the battlefield. The Philistines hear the noise and their hearts are gripped with fear. That's what verse 7 tells us. Now, if you will, again, I'm a very much a student of the Bible, and I like looking at virtually everything I possibly can to learn from. And I want to, there we go. I want you to see this. This is the a rendering of the ark. Uh, if you'll note with me, the ark was a box with a lid. The lid is called the mercy seat. The mercy seat where the angels are and the, and the angels' wings touch is where God would meet with man. In verse 10 and 11, now the ark is brought into the battlefield. And notice with me, 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. And it says, so the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. And every man, Israelite, fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Also the ark of God was captured and the two sons of, of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, all died. We look at that and we say, that looks like a misprint. How could that happen? You got God's people, you got God's ark fighting God's enemies and God's people loses. How could that happen? Um, Israel defeated by their enemy, the priest, two sons are killed. The ark of the, the covenant is stolen. And the question that you and I have, and please listen to me, this is critical. If God is God on the throne, then how could this happen to his people? If God is God Almighty, if God can do anything, and if God can conquer every enemy, then how in the world could this happen to God's people? And when we look a little bit at the background, we find out how it happens. If you will, please, 1 Samuel chapter 4. Begin with me with verse 12. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 12. I don't have that back there, so I'm having to turn and look at that. So thank you for kind of bearing with me. But we're okay. And if you would look with me at verse 12 of chapter 4. It says, Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line. What we see in these verses is we've got a man running from the battle, running back to Jerusalem. 
He's running to the high priest, Eli, to tell them what happened. What he tells them, if you'll notice verse 15, Eli was 98 years old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who come from the battle and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, what happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas are dead and the ark of God has been captured. Notice verse 18. In verse 18 it tells us, then it happened when he made mention of the ark of God that Eli fell back. Notice with me that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck was broken and he died for the man was old and heavy and he had judged Israel 40 years. And then what it tells us is, is that word now goes to a daughter-in-law of Eli that this young lady, both her husband Phineas and her father-in-law Eli have died and that the ark has been captured. And notice with me what happened to her. She goes into childbirth, premature, premature childbirth. And then both she and the baby die. But before the baby is, dies, she names him. Do you see the name there in the screen behind me? I tried to highlight it. She named him Ichabod. Then she named the child Ichabod saying, the glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. Ichabod literally means glory departed. So in other words, what we see is God's presence left Israel. Ichabod, the glory of God had departed. Now, God's glory removed from Israel. Now, please understand the difference between yesterday and today. Thank you. It, it came on back there. Thank you, brother. Very good. Uh, if you will, please remember with me. Uh, let me go back, please. That went ahead a little bit too far. There we go. Perfect. Great. Today, God's presence with us is not an ark. Today, God's presence with us is the Holy Spirit. Thank God for that. If you will, please, today, understand the Holy Spirit is God's glory. Uh, our sister just, and excuse me for not knowing everybody's names. There's only one of me and there's a whole bunch of you, you know. Uh, but if, it's easy for you to remember Pastor Gary because that was your last pastor also. So, uh, but if you would just understand, we sung about the glory of God. Man, his presence is rich in this place. Amen? Now understand that is God's glory. That is the Holy Spirit. Uh, please get with me. The Holy Spirit, God's glory, God's approval, God's blessing is God's presence in our lives today. God's glory is the Holy Spirit, not only with us, but dwells within us. Can you say amen? Okay, now you're going with me. Let's get to this. Point number one. The Holy Spirit is the key to spiritual victory. Uh, I got a little bit bold, and honestly, this afternoon I go, wow, I didn't in intend to be that bold and say, but the reality is God really wants to bless this church. God really wants to pour out of His Spirit upon this church. And I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, the spiritual victory of this church is dependent upon the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, notice with me Exodus 25, 10, and 11. It tells us about the Ark of the Covenant. It's 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, 27 inches tall, overlaid with pure gold. When we study it a little bit, we find there's a lid. Literally, the lid is referred to as the mercy seat. So you've got this box, uh, these dimensions, 45 inches long, 27 by 27. And then you've got this lid, literally a lid that sits on it. The lid that sits on it is called the mercy seat. If you will, it was there on that lid that God met with man. It was there on that mercy seat. Notice with me, this is a replica. And what it is, is it was 45 inches long, 27 wide, 27 tall. And then there was a lid formed that sat on it. It was then at this place where the angel's wings touch. It is there where God's glory would come down and meet with man. You know a little bit about your Bible. I'm, I'm just sharing with you scripture. Leviticus chapter 16 is the day of atonement. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go into the Holiest of Holies. The Ark was in the Holiest of Holies. Before he ever went in, he would take a rope and tie it around his waist, and the rope would stay trailed out into the Holy Place, not the Holiest of Holies, but the Holy Place. He would walk into the Holiest of Holies with this rope around his waist with bells in the hem of his robe. And they would jingle as he's walking, and he, he makes them jingle while he's walking, and he comes into the presence of God, and he offers up a sacrifice for the sin of Israel. It's a temporary appeasing of God's aggression towards sin. It's not a removal of sin. It's not a cleansing of sin. It's just a temporary appeasing of God's aggression towards sin. Forgiveness doesn't come until Jesus. Anybody say amen? But this is man appeasing God. Why for the bells? Why for the rope? If he made one false move, if there was any sin in his life, he fell dead. Pull him out. Next. Are you with me? Yeah. That is Leviticus 16. That is how man approached God yesterday. That's coming into God's presence. If you will, please, just to, would you advance that for some reason? This is not working. If we could just, there you go. Perfect. Thank you. And if you'll notice with me, uh, this is the temple. First, there was the tabernacle, which was a tent that traveled with Israel. It was a tent. And this is when Solomon built the temple. This is the layout of the temple, if you will. Uh, number one, that is where the, there was the burning of the sacrifice. Two is where the animal was killed, the sacrifice, and then the brazen altar. Three is the laver of washing. That's where the priest would wash prior to coming in to the holy place first. And then the, the high priest only on the day of atonement would go into the holiest of holies. In the holy place is the lampstands with the showbread. That's the holy place. And then here's this veil. The veil, and behind the veil was the holiest of holies where the Ark of the Covenant is, and there is where man would meet with God in the holiest of holies. When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, at the moment of his death, Jesus was busy those three days. The very first place he went was the, the temple, because what tells us at the moment of his death, the veil of the temple torn from top to bottom. What did that happen? Jesus Christ, when he died, he went into the holiest of holies. Hebrews chapter 9 and 10 tells us this. And he offered not with the blood of bulls and of goats and of the sprinkling of the ashes of heifers, but with his own precious blood, he laid down himself as a perfect sacrifice for all mankind. 
That's Jesus. That's what he did. He gave himself as the perfect sacrifice for sin. Now sin is removed. Now sin is cleansed. Now sin never comes back to the memory of God. As far as the east is from the west, so far as your sin, anybody say amen? That's total, complete forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ. Why does he tear the veil of the temple? Now he says, access. Uh, Jesus is the door. He said, I'm the door. I'm the vine, the connection between you and God. I am the way. Are you with me? So he's now provided access to God, access to the holiest of holies. And then Jesus made us this tremendous promise, if you would bring up that next slide. And notice, notice this. The ark was the most holy article within the tabernacle. Amen. You've you got to agree with that, behind the holiest of holies. The ark was where the mercy seat sat and where God's presence went, met with man. That was the ark. Today, the ark is no longer needed. Hallelujah. Today, the mercy seat has been abolished. There's no mercy seat. It's not there. Hallelujah. Today, we have no righteous religious artifacts. I don't think there's anything. No. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? We have no religious artifacts. The only thing that we many times will see, and, and, and I have one on my, this finger, this is my wedding ring, my vow to Paula, and this is my Christian ring, which has a cross on it, and that's my vow to Christ. And the reality is many times we'll look at a cross and that reminds us of Jesus Christ. But it's not a religious symbol that we worship. Thank God. Now today we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit today is God's presence with us. John chapter 14, notice 17 and 18, Jesus said this, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be inside of you, dwell within you. Notice what Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So in our church service, uh, we, we many times say Jesus is here. And Jesus comes to us by his Holy Spirit. When his Holy Spirit is here, that's Jesus. Uh, there's no conflict between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus said, me and the Father are one. When you see me, you've seen him. We're in total, complete unity. When the Holy Spirit is here moving among us, he dwells with us and dwells within us. That's God's presence with us. That's God's presence dwelling inside of us. Can you say amen? You know, the great thing about the Holy Spirit is it allows Jesus Christ to be omnipresent everywhere, all the time. Are you with me? When Jesus had flesh and blood, he was restricted to one place at a time. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. And I, I know if you heard that, you'd go, why is it to my advantage if you go away? And the answer is this, I'm one location at a time. But when I go away, I'll send the comforter. And when the comforter comes, he'll not only be with you, but he'll be in you. I'm going to be everywhere all the time. I love that. 1 John 3 and 24, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So everyone that is a Christian has the spirit dwelling inside of them. Everyone. You don't have to speak in tongues. If you're a born again Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. Amen. So that, that was a problem in the Assemblies of God from yesterday year 
when there was people preaching that you didn't receive the Holy Spirit until you spoke in tongues. And I'm going to tell you, that's another relationship with the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But every born-again Christian has the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. And in fact, you wouldn't even be a Christian if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. Uh, and by this, we know that He abides in us, that Jesus is in us, by the Holy Spirit that He has given us. Now, no longer God within the holiest of holies. Thank God. No longer God visiting at the mercy seat. Now God is with you, with me, 24-7, every minute, every second of the day. Now He convicts you, and He convicts me. Thank God for conviction. You know, it might not feel good, but really, thank God for conviction. Now he, he guides us into truth. Now He leads according to His will. And now He empowers with spiritual victory. Our spiritual victory is 100% dependent upon the working of the Holy Spirit. It's not because you're so strong, it's because you're so smart, or because you've made such a resolve. Your resolve is useless in spiritual warfare. The only reason that you are a conqueror, an overcomer, is because of the Holy Spirit at work in you and through you. Amen. Okay, if you'll notice with me, bring up the next slide for me, and it's this. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, sin should no longer have dominion over you. Everybody say amen. amen. Romans 6 and 14. If you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, then understand 1 John 4 and 4. Greater is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you than the enemy that's trying to come against you. Right, understand, if you are led by the Holy Spirit, there is no challenge too great for you, because I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. Understand this, if you are yielded to the Holy Spirit, He will strengthen you in the inner man with His might, and then you'll be an overcomer because of it. Notice with me Ephesians 3 and 16, that He who granted you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. The outward man may be perishing, the outward man may hurt here, or have a cramp here, or hurt over here, you know. The outward man may be aging. But the reality is, the inner man can be renewed day by day. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, inside, I'm a 20-year-old. Anybody say amen? I'm renewed every day. And so, thank God, that is the working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the key. Now, let me say it again. The Holy Spirit is the key to spiritual victory. Uh, your victory is directly dependent upon the degree that you listen to, are empowered by, led by, and yielded to the working of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to take that to another step. The victory of this church is directly dependent upon your ability to listen to, be empowered by, to be led by, and yielded to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Paula told me something that she overheard in the foyer that I really appreciate, one of the deacons saying, and that was is this, somebody was asking him about candidates, and literally he said this, he said, it's not my candidate that we're looking for, and it's not your candidate that we're looking for, we're looking for God's candidate. Amen. And the reality is it may not make you happy, and it may not make me happy, but we want to make God happy. Okay, now please, that is determined by the leading of the Holy Spirit. You need to be praying that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide your deacon board to the right candidate that they bring before you. Amen? That's the Holy Spirit. So victory is ours through the Holy Spirit. Number two, notice with me. The Holy Spirit can be removed. Just because you had the Holy Spirit yesterday doesn't mean you have Him today. 
Israel proves that. Notice with me. Why was Israel defeated by her enemies? If this was God's chosen people, if this ark represented God, and if God is all-powerful, then why was Israel defeated? Why was 30,000 killed? Why was the ark captured? Why was the priest's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, killed? 1 Samuel chapter 2, notice these verses. And if you've got your Bible, you can follow along. 1 Samuel 2 and 12 tells how Eli's sons were corrupt and did not know the Lord. Uh, That is such a sad... Now, the sons of Eli, Eli is the high priest. His sons are priests. And notice, they were corrupt, and his son's priest did not know the Lord. What a heartbreak. Let me tell you, you want a preacher who knows the Lord. But here, Eli's son's priest didn't know the Lord. Uh, Verse 17, they defiled the sacrifice. They would take the fat and eat the fat of the sacrifices. In verse 22, it tells how they had sexual immorality with the women who came to the tabernacle. Let's read that, verse 22. Now, Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So here, Eli's sons is having sexual immorality with ladies coming to church. Verse 13 of chapter 3 states that Eli did not restrain them. He knew what his boys were doing, but he didn't correct them. Boy, let me tell you, a parent fails when they don't keep their kids under control. You know, it's not that your kids are evil. It's just that they're kids. They want what they want, when they want it, how they want it. They don't care what the fallout is. They just want their way. Your kids are that way. My kids are that way. My grandkids, I've got five grandsons. Every one of them are that way. And the reality is you were that way too when you were there. That's just being a kid. And the kids need someone to correct them, but Eli would not. Notice with me, bring up the next slide, and that is the priesthood tolerated, condoned, practiced, and endorsed sin. I'm going to tell you the churches that are closing their doors when the Holy Spirit leaves are the churches that tolerate, condone, practice, and endorse sin. And we're living in that culture today. Uh, We're living in a culture where many churches are compromising. I I really respect Paula, the Methodist church has had a split. And there is a part of the Methodist church that is standing for the truth and a part that is giving way to the pressure of our culture and even endorsing homosexual pastors and leadership in the church. That's the Methodists. There'd been a break off that said, no, we're not going to do that. We believe that's wrong. And thank God for the break off. But I'm going to tell you, it's everywhere in our culture today. There was an Assembly of God church in Texas that the man came to the pulpit, an Assembly of God church, and said that he was going to start embracing the homosexual community. The people of that congregation needed to make a choice. Are we going to follow that man or are we going to follow God? Are you with me? It's, it's, it's not just them over there. We've got to understand it's right here. Okay, notice with me, 1 Samuel 3 and 1. As a result of this, as a result of sin in the church, chapter 3, verse 1, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. The English, T-E-V, the English version, 
there were very few messages from the Lord and visions from him were quite rare. In other words, God was removing himself from Israel. They were living this lifestyle contrary to his purpose, his plan, and God was removing himself. That's exactly what that points to. So long before the ark was ever captured, God's glory was beginning to remove from Israel. The Holy Spirit will not coexist with sin. Amen. Today we ask, why do people have spiritual failures? We ask the question, how can someone accept Jesus, live for him for a while, and then fail and be right back in the same old sin? We ask the question, how can a Christian, someone who has lived for God, begin to doubt God and end up in a total rebellion against God, even an atheist or an agnostic, declaring an unbelief in God? How can that happen? I'm going to tell you how it can happen, and it happens when we sin against the Holy Spirit. If you'll notice with me the screen, this is the one to take a picture of. Because, and I see y'all many times taking pictures of the screen, and, and that, I, love, I love that because that just tells me, that, man, that's a good one, you know, and, and, and that's great. This is one to take a picture of because I'm going to tell you, this is the three sins against the Holy Spirit. And as a church, you do not want to sin against the Holy Spirit. And as an individual, you do not want to sin against the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, virtually every day I pray for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please forgive me for the times that I've grieved or quenched or resisted you. I want to hear your voice, and I want to obey, and I want to follow your lead. I would invite you to start praying that. Uh, notice with me biblically and, and see what it is. Uh, the first sin I noted is Ephesians 4 and 30, and it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. See, grieve means literally to hurt his feelings. You can hurt the feelings of the Holy Spirit. When you reject his counsel, when you refuse his conviction, when you deny his leading, you hurt his feelings. You, you grieve him. And if you continue to continue to continue to continue to do that, he will leave you alone. Um, notice with me 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Many times people use that verse and talk about a church service. That is not what that, church, that verse is referring to. That church is referring to your personal life. You do not quench the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit comes with an anointing, with a fire into all of our lives. And he wants to lead you, guide you, direct you, empower you. And that, but if you say no to the Holy Spirit, no, I don't want to speak for you. And no, I don't want to stand for you. And, and no, I don't want to give a testimony. And no, I don't want to give, use my gift or my talent. And, and no, let somebody else do that. And no, let somebody else do that. And no, let somebody else do that. Are you with me? Boy, every deacon ought to say amen there. What we find is, is if you, you're putting out the Holy Spirit's fire because the Holy Spirit's coming to you with the fire and say, you need to work with those kids. You need to work with those teenagers. You need to do something. You need to be a greeter. Are you with me? See, let me tell you, it takes everybody working in the church to make the church go forward. Amen. And you quench the fire of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit's coming to you with an anointing fire. And you say, well, not, not me. If you keep resisting him, quit, keep, keep on quenching him, he'll quit coming to you. And then you're just going to be a pew warmer. The last is what Stephen said. 
prior to Stephen's death, in Acts chapter 7, verse 51, Stephen made the reference to, you resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. That's a sin against the Holy Spirit. In other words, if the Holy Spirit says don't, and you do anyway, and the Holy Spirit says do, and you don't anyway, you're resisting the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to come to you and say, don't do that. And if you do it anyway, you're resisting Him. Please understand, these are sins against the Holy Spirit. And, and, and a good homework assignment is read Romans chapter 1. There's a place where God's presence will quit dealing with man. He turns them over to a reprobate mind. He turns them over to do those things unseemingly. And the reality is there is a place where God would just go, no, I'm done. That's how he was with Israel. Are you with me? What am I doing? I'm giving you a New Testament principle illustrated by an Old Testament story. God removing himself from Israel. Beautiful illustration. If you'll notice with me the next slide, Hebrews chapter 3. This is a warning to the church. Because when we read Hebrews chapter 3, the second word tells us who it's directed to. It's Christians. And notice with me, it says, Beware, brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you, you Christians. See, I don't believe in once saved, always saved. I believe you can be a Christian living for the Lord and reject God and go back into sin. Now, I believe that it should be once saved, always saved. I believe you should ex accept Christ one time and then live for him the rest of your life. But the reality is not everybody does. And some people fall prey to this and they allow an evil heart of unbelief to come to someone who was a Christian. Notice with me, beware brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Least any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we have become, we, personal, plural, pronoun, us, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confession steadfast to the end. So in other words, you're going to make it as a Christian if you hold steadfast your profession of faith all the way to the end. And the reality is, and let me just be really blunt, it really doesn't matter how you started. What matters is how you end. Uh, Matthew 24, Jesus talking about end time events, said this, He who endures to the end shall be saved. And so the reality is, you've got to endure and make it all the way to the end. Christian. But the warning is for us. There's a sin that you as a Christian can do that can cause the Holy Spirit to leave you. There's a sin that this church can do that can cause the Holy Spirit to leave this church. And that is if you grieve, quench, or resist the Holy Spirit, you continue, continue, and continue, and God will remove himself, just like he did Israel. Ichabod, the glory has departed. God's Holy Spirit is no longer there. It's a sad reality, and I hate to even preach it, but we've seen it happen over and over again. There was a church that was running. I mean, it was on fire for God, running hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And I'm talking about a church that I was youth pastor at. It was hundreds and hundreds. And now it's running about 30, 40 people. And the doors are just about to shut on the church. 
Yesterday it was a thriving church. I had a hundred, there's a hundred in my youth group. There was 700 people in the church on a regular basis. And now it's running about 30. Breaks my heart. The glory has departed. It can happen. We don't want it to happen here. Amen. Uh, if you will, please, the third, and let's bring up, the last one is, fighting without the Holy Spirit ends in defeat. You, you, you're no match for your spiritual enemy, but your spiritual enemy is no match for your God. Amen. Uh, Israel said, let's get the ark. Here's their presumption. They said, let's get the ark. God will have to fight for us. God won't want to look bad in the eyes of our enemies. That's exactly their presumption. If we have the ark, we're going to win because God's not going to let himself look bad because God would look bad if, he was, he, if we were defeated and we had the ark here. That's presumption. 300,000 men died as a result of that presumption. Understand, Hophnia and Phinehas priests, preachers, presumed that God would ignore their sin in order for him to not look bad. I'm going to tell you, God will not ignore sin for the cause of him not looking bad. Because when you look back, you look at a church that closes and you go, wow, God couldn't keep that church open. God couldn't move. And God's not. God will allow himself to look bad if his principles and precepts and his truth are not stood for. See, God will allow himself to look bad in man's eyes in order for his principles and truth to not be compromised. Please understand that. Uh, you cannot count on God unless God can count on you. And I want him to count on me, can you say amen? And I want him to be able to count on me. As an individual, as a church, Lone Grove Assembly of God Church, God will allow himself to look bad due to disobedience. We don't want to be disobedient to the Lord. We want to hear his voice. We want to submit. We want to surrender. We want to yield and we want to obey his voice. We don't want to grieve. We don't want to resist. We don't want to, we don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. Uh, we want the Holy Spirit to be able to move just like he wants to. It is time to get rid of any presumption with our obedience to God. You, it's time for us, all, and I'm, I'm, all of us, it's time for us to know that we know that we know that we know that we're right with God. No presumption. Uh, you must know that you're living according to God's principles. You've got to know that. We must know that your every failure is under the blood of Jesus Christ. I've asked the Lord to forgive me of everything in my life, and everything in my past is covered by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, you must know that you're completely dependent upon the empowering of the Holy Spirit. No presumption. See, presumption is to think something is right when it is not. You know, well, I just presume that just because I get dressed and look good and go to church that God is going to bless. Well, no, that has absolutely nothing to do with it. Uh, don't presume no. I know according to God's word that when two or more gather together in his name and when we live according to his principles and his precepts that we can expect his anointing, his empowering, we can expect him to show up. Why? Because it's what he said. And let me tell you, God is bound by his word. He will keep it every time. So what we see is spiritual victory is gained only when we are allied with the Holy Spirit. 
You've got to have a Holy Spirit anointed pastor. You've got to have a Holy Spirit anointed deacon board. You've got to have a Holy Spirit anointed youth minister, a Holy Spirit anointed children's pastor, a Holy Spirit anointed worship leader. We need God's anointing, God's equipping, God's empowering, and God's prevailing. And it's not the ark. It is the Holy Spirit. Today, the Holy Spirit is God's presence with His people. Amen. Now, if God's Spirit goes with me, victory is inevitable. You're going to win. You let God work through you and in you, you are going to win. If God's Spirit does not go with me or you, then you're defeated. You're defeated before the battle even wins, even starts. So understand, victory is only by and through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. Amen. Now, in these last days, Spiritual warfare is raging. Can you say amen? We are living in a time, biblically, if you wanted to go to Scripture, Scripture tells us that Satan knows that his time is short. He knows what time it is. Um, uh, trust me, he's a dumb devil. He is. Uh, scripture says he would have never crucified Christ had he known the outcome that Jesus Christ would conquer death in the grave and, and crush his head, you know, squish him under... Satan, Satan is a defeated foe. As Satan is toe jam. Jesus has already crushed his head. Are you with me? Uh, well, too many people give too much credit to the devil. And the reality is he is a defeated foe. The only challenge is we've got to keep reminding him of that. And what we've got to remind him is this, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Uh, we've got to remind him the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. It's not because of who I am, but it's because of whose I am. It's not because of why I'm here. It's because of who is with me. And so now we understand greater is the power of God at work in his church. Let's bring it down to us than the enemy trying to come against this church. I believe that you have asked for the Holy Spirit to dwell here. I believe that. And, and I, I believe in your worship leader. She prays for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell and inhabit the praises of his people. And please, with that Holy Spirit, there is God's victory. We want that presence every meeting. And we want that same Holy Spirit when we leave this place to be just as powerful in us individually as it is collectively in the church. Spiritual victory is through the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen with me? Amen. Thank God. Would you stand with me, please? We need to pray. I'm looking across the congregation, and I believe everyone here tonight, you have come tonight for the purpose of meeting with God. I believe that. And you wouldn't have overcome the terrible weather forecast. Uh, and you wouldn't come and be here if it wasn't for the fact that you wanted to meet with God. And let's have a prayer. Father, I pray and I thank you for this beautiful Sunday night congregation. I thank you, Lord, that we've come into your presence just out of obedience to the leading and the guiding of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, your word tonight has confirmed in our hearts that we are who we are. We are conquerors, we're overcomers, not because of us, but because of your Holy Spirit at work in us and through us. And Lord, we're reminded at night how much we need your Holy Spirit. 
We need your anointing. We need your equipping. We need your empowering. We need your prevailing. And Lord, we're reminded tonight that we need to be sensitive to the areas of our life where we would possibly be sinning against your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to realize that we can quench, that we can grieve, that we can resist your Holy Spirit. And Father, along with this congregation, I pray, Father, forgive me for the times that I grieved or quenched or resisted you. Forgive me, Holy Spirit. I want to hear your voice more clearly. And I want to follow more completely. I am 100, completely, 100% dependent upon you. We need you desperately. Father, I pray that you would honor this prayer time. Father, as we come around the front of this church and pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit upon the deacon board, upon the new pastor, upon the next youth pastor, the next children's pastor, your anointing upon our worship pastor. God, we as a body, we as a, a group of Christians gathered together on Sunday night, we're going to seek your face for your Holy Spirit, your presence right here. I'd like to ask all across the congregation, would you come to these altars, please? And let's spend some time together. Come on, let's pray. Father, right now we, we come to this place of humbling ourselves in your presence. Even our body position coming in humility to you. We bow our lives, not just our body, but our lives before you. And Father, forgive us for the times that you told us to not do it, and we did. Forgive us for the times that you told us to do it, and we did not. And Father, I, I believe that right now in this church that you're stirring people to step forward in ministry. And Father, may we not quench the power, the fire of your Holy Spirit calling us to service, calling us to a place of ministry. May we not quench your spirit. Lord, yes, we realize that we can do nothing within ourselves. We don't have the ability to work with the children or the youth, and we don't have the ability to stand up and be a good greeter. It's not found in me, but Lord, it is by your spirit. It's in your anointing, it's in your equipping, it's in your empowering. And so Lord, we are convinced that with your calling, there is your equipping. So Father, I pray that in this church, you would begin to call and equip children's volunteers. That Lord, you'd begin to call and equip youth volunteers. That Lord, you'd begin to call and equip music ministry volunteers. That Lord, you'd begin to call and equip greeters and those willing to work in the foyer and be a big smile and the welcome of people coming in. Father, may we not quench your Holy Spirit fire. Father, forgive us for the times that we grieved, that we resisted or we quenched you. And Lord, we pray, we pray for the next pastor, that Lord, he would have a rich anointing. May your Holy Spirit be evident in his life. 
We pray, Father, for an anointing upon the deacon board and your wisdom, your leading, your guiding. May your Holy Spirit be in every meeting. We pray, Father, for the next candidate that comes and stands before the church, and we pray for the decision of the church. And Lord, just like the early church in Acts chapter 15, Father, when they said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, may there be that agreement of your presence, your Holy Spirit with this church. May this church be able to say it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that this be our pastor. Right in the center of your perfect will, the right leader with the right heart leading the right church in the right direction. It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Father, have your perfect way. Honor the humble heart seeking your face. Meet with us, Lord. Meet with us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. Have your way, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Take us from here to where you want us to be, individually and collectively, corporately as a church. Your will. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love. We glory in your mercy and your grace. Thank you for the plan that you have. It's a good plan. Thank you, Father. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. God is so very good, amen. Would you stand with me, please? I want to have a prayer with you. and. Let's pray for one another to have a safe trip home. Pray for Paul and I. We're headed to Mustang, and, and we don't want to be blown off of I-35. No, we're, we're not. I'm just teasing. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Great is your faithfulness. We trust completely in you. We thank you, Lord, for the moving of your Holy Spirit here today. We thank you, Lord, that we have been permitted to make contact with you. And Father, I pray that you would bless your people. I pray for your protective hedge as they head home. And we pray, Father, your blessing upon their week. Bring us back, Father, into your house next Sunday together to meet with you. And your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless your hearts. You'll be safe. Thank you, Lord.